explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS. And streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling, along with my co-host, Chris Trevino. We are back from Eugene. Chris is back in Southern California. I'm back in the chilly Northeast, and it is not my favorite thing ever. Chris, how are you doing tonight, though? I'm glad to see that you did make it home. You made it for Tunnel Vision, even though you guys didn't sleep very much. We did not. I just came back from my sketch writing class, so I am feeling very non-serious. So that's the mood and energy I'm bringing to this podcast. I usually do bring the non-serious, but just feeling an extra little non-serious shotgun. But again, still behind on the sleep. Slept a lot this morning, but I'm ready to be back. We're both rocking some hoodies, so I'm feeling the vibe right now. Yeah, I've got I'm I'm very uh, Star Wars esque here, hooded up and hiding from the cold as much as possible. But Chris, let's jump into it. Let's start with our two minute drill. What were your takeaways, your thoughts from the trip to Eugene? Your time starts now. First of all, my first trip to Eugene and Oregon and Autzen in general. And I just want to say, you know, the state of Oregon, very pretty this time of year. It was cool seeing all those, you know, the, the landscapes and the nature and all that. And Autzen Stadium is a beautiful stadium. It was very, very nice. Could use a better photographer workroom, but that's not that's not on me. But obviously a very beautiful stadium. And, you know, what can I say about the game? It's just a rehashing of things we have said before. This was a game you felt USC could have walked away with a win in, just like Utah, just like Washington. And heck, even just like Notre Dame, this was a game USC could have won. But man, just the same things we've been seeing. Big plays on the defensive side of the ball. Even though Alex Grinch wasn't there, the ghost of Alex Grinch was still haunting this team with a 74-yard touchdown, an 81-yard touchdown on the first two drives for Oregon. Obviously, I've talked about USC being unable to hold momentum. You get a huge, huge stop for the defense on third down. And what do you do? You fumble that ball. That would have been a critical play for USC's offense. But again, just giving the ball back, not capitalizing. You have the fourth and one stop. It's offsides. You know, you're doing all these little things and these big things that are just ruining these opportunities for USC. So I'm going to talk about a little bit more of that in this in the stock ups and the stock downs. But 
you know, it just felt like USC was put out of their misery by the Ducks. We don't have to talk about the potential of, you know, can they make the college of the, the Pac-12 championship? They were still alive, still had some hope, but no, it's over. This team has has moved on to accepting what the fate is. Their fate is play USC, UCLA next week, this week coming weekend, beat them, have something to hang their hat on for the season. It is a failed season, but again, you can salvage a little bit of it. Not obviously all of it because you had such high expectations, but you can go and beat UCLA, get a little momentum, play well in a bowl game, jumpstart you for next season, which is a tough schedule going into the Big Ten season. So that's what it's all about for USC, acceptance. The acceptance of Chris nailing the two minutes. Uh, exactly. Terrific job, I'm Chris. Here to with your your two minutes uh your two minute drill you were fantastic there um you know you said a lot of things that I would have touched on but we'll see what I've got to go with in my two minutes I don't even know what's going to be come out of my mouth right now let's we'll see well I'm excited to find out in about two seconds because you're on ready set go I think I would have to agree with Chris. It was beautiful up there, beautiful time of year. I actually started my trip in Seattle, then worked my way down to Portland, then worked my way down to Eugene. So, you know, I got three different stops, got some museums in most of those stops. I had a great time on the trip, got to see some family as well. The meetup was fantastic, uh, was great. I actually saw some people at a, at a gas station on the way down that, that stopped me in the airport on the way back. Uh, so many, you know, so much love going around. Uh, so, you know, I'm still trying to avoid talking about the actual game because I feel like we talked about this, Chris. I know I'm 30 seconds in, but it, it's we've already talked about this game before because it was the same thing we saw in Washington and the same thing we saw in Utah and the same thing we saw and same thing we saw and the same thing we saw. It's the same thing over and over. Now, the different wrinkles. Okay, there was new defensive coordinators. Did we see some changes? A little bit, a little bit of adjustments there. Some different personnel, a little bit. Maybe some differences in, you know, in uh, the strategy of when to blitz, when not to blitz, those type of things. But overall, the issues were still the same. The same issues, struggling with some tackling, uh, struggling with playing way off on, you know, on third downs. It was third and six, third and eight a lot of times, and USC's defenders are playing in 12 yards deep. What are you doing? I know. I know and Oregon just constantly threw underneath, was able to pick it up and run for the extra couple yards, and USC wasn't able to make the tackle. So a lot of the same issues over and over. The explosive plays have been the big one all season, continued to kill them, crush them in the first quarter. I, I did I did like the way they fought. They continue to fight. It continues to be matter to them. You haven't seen guys checked out. Now I'm starting to see one or two players check out, but the team as a whole has not checked out. They will not play for a Pac-12 turn, uh, championship. Uh, they would have had been in a great uh, place if they had one, but instead that extra bye week that they have is now just going to be a, all right, go have fun with your fa- your family and enjoy Turkey. Maybe get a little recruiting done. Shotgun, True. I'm going to give it to you because I accidentally, just to show you how out of it I was, I was hitting start on the timer with zero minutes. And, you know, that doesn't do anything because it's on zero minutes. So I was forgot to put on stopwatch. So that's why I was uh, discombobulated to start. So I started you a little late, but it's okay. It's user error on my part. So I'm going to give you that. Well done, Shotgun. Hit it perfectly on the head. All right, Chris. Well, let's jump into stock up, stock down. Every week we look at, you know, who's performing a little bit better? Who's performing a little bit less? Whose stock seems to be rising? Whose stop is dropping? Chris, what do you got to start stock up? 
mean, I always feel like, I feel like I've had him on here for like nine straight weeks. But just once again, Taj Washington continues to be a guy. I mean, stock just keeps going up and up and up. So consistent. But again, we've said so much about Taj Washington. But I just wanted to put him on here again, Shotgun. I just, he deserves to be on here. He's an underrated Trojan. He's got 85 yards to go to hit a thousand the first time in his career. I hope he hope he gets it against UCLA because he deserves that milestone to have that to be a thousand yard receiver at USC. He deserves that. So Taj Washington got to give you the the stock up. Stock up on opportunity. A lot of young defensive backs were playing. Prophet Brown was playing. Makai Lemon, who was a wide receiver turned defensive back for this team, got some critical snaps in this game. Uh, so we saw him out there. We saw Christian Pierce getting more burn out there for the secondary. So they were banged up. They didn't have Jacoby Covington. Christian Roland Wallace was not 100%. There was no Sierra Wright, no Jalen Smith. So USC had to go down the depth chart and even pull some guys not on the quarterback depth chart to 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 play this game. So I, I want to give a stock up to the opportunity for some of those young guys coming in and playing. I had stock up on handling the noise. USC's offense and that offensive line look completely different in terms of what we saw in the first road game of the year, which at Arizona State, where they were just all discombobulated, so many pre-snap penalties, all these things. And look, Autzen was really, really loud in the first half. I tweeted out, send help. It's loud down here. So for them to to come in and have, you know, they did have to burn a couple timeouts to avoid penalties, but for the most part, they were pretty clean. And I was not expecting that them to be that clean because I knew it was going to be loud. I knew it was going to be hectic out there, but you know, credit to them. And that was with losing Justin Dietrich for a little bit and him being not 100%, 100%. Obviously, the offensive line still had their issues on Saturday, but I thought they deserve some credit for handling that noise. Uh, I had stock up on step five of grief, which is acceptance. I mentioned this in my two-minute drill, just accepting what this team is. You know, it's going to be potentially an eight-win season. The most you can possibly get is nine-win very short of the mark that you know fans and media and everyone had for this team. And again, if you flip-flop this, if you had you went eight and four in 2022, Lincoln Riley's first season, everyone would be ecstatic about it. But that's not the standard and the expectations they had. But I felt it from the team. They kind of accepted, like, look, this is what we are. We can go out and play one last time together against UCLA, take this win, win the rivalry, you know, have something to build on for next season. So just accepting their fate as, you know, a mediocre team that's not going to beat you know any top five 25 teams or go to the college football playoffs and then i had stock up on the all-white warm-ups because they were crispy shotgun i just want to say stock ups on those although based on the food that they were eating after the game i know somebody probably spilled that on themselves and that that's why i don't wear all white stuff because of the staining and spilling something on myself but that's just me that's i'm not them stock up on those crispy all whites Please tell me who you think it was that did spill it on it and why was it an offensive lineman? Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I, I have I just have this thought of Jarrett Kingston for whatever reason. Not that not I don't know why, you know, because I saw his face paint after the game running all down. I just felt like, you know, just getting a little, little, little sloppy there at the end with uh with the food and stuff. So and those guys are shoveling food. So, you know, it it could happen. Yeah, and your offensive lineman, you're tired after playing, you know, being attacked by Brendan Dorless and Jordan Birch off the edges for for 60 minutes. Um, you know, to go back to your your comment about, you know, what would it be like if uh, you know if this was year one and last year was year two, and that's kind of what Lincoln Riley said on Trojans Live. He said, "Two, if you 
Two years ago, everyone involved with the program would have taken what they've accomplished so far in the two years of the program. Um, if you asked anybody with the program through two years, we're going to be in a championship-type games late in the season both years. We're going to have one year right on the doorstep of the college football playoff. From where this thing was, hell, everybody would have taken it. Everybody. We forget that now, but everybody would have taken it. And he's right, but it's also, you know, you're the you know, your own – success because sets your expectations. And when you have so much success in the first year um, and the things that they did that we were shocked by, surprised by how they were able to change the culture so quickly, those things haven't carried through to the second year. And I think that's part of the reason why uh, fans are so upset and part of the reason why they didn't win those games. I mean, the schedule is tougher. I think that was the biggest difference year one to year two. We tried to say that before the season, but we thought the defense, at least I did, I thought the defense would get better. I thought there'd be progression there, and that never happened. So, unfortunately, because of that, when you combine those two elements, a tougher schedule with the defense still staying terrible, then you got nothing. And then when the offensive line is struggling more than it was last year and Caleb Williams is under fire, even though he's putting up better numbers than he was last year, it leads to them, you know, them being where they are right now. Um, and then, you know, Several other things we'll get to. My stock up list is long, Chris. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna lie to you. My stock down list is also long. I just got a lot of stocks. But I, I know mm, we want to. I know we talk about Otson a lot and Eugene and that trip. But I gotta start with stock up basketball school. Man, what about those USC Trojan Hoopers? Juju Watkins is phenomenal. She had 35 points tonight in you know setting a new career high. She's played. She's She's been in college basketball for eight days. She scored 85 points already as a true freshman. Good. Pretty good. She's pretty darn good. She had 35 points on 65% shooting, including knocking down six of eight threes in a 51-point win over LeMoyne. Now, LeMoyne's not very good, but it was notable to me because it was the first game USC was in the top 10 women's basketball since 1994. What do you do when you're top 10 team? You beat the shit out of terrible teams. And that's what they did. So it was great to see that. Uh, th- that team's really fun to watch, and they're going to be fun to watch all season. On the men's side, uh, didn't get to watch a ton of it because it was on, uh, well, I think it was Friday night that they played, Thursday night. I don't remember. I was traveling. Um, and USC beats Cal State Bakersfield. A little sluggish to begin with, but then played a little better. Isaiah Collier was really good. How about Isaiah Collier, Juju Watkins, both the number one recruits in the nation? both the freshman player of the week for the first week in the Pac-12. So great start for the basketball programs. If you're super upset with a football program and you can only make it through UCLA and you need to shut it down for a while, go check out what's going on in Galen Sir. It's really fun. It's really uh, really going to be an interesting season. could be a really special season for both of them. But now I got some basketball out of the way, Chris. I wanted to get that in there. Stock ups. Uh, let me run through a couple players real quick. You know, some of them are pretty obvious. Traquan Fagans, you know, steps in for Jalen Smith, who does not make the trip. Jalen Smith's probably been their most consistent defender all season. And Traquan Fagans basically stepped in and said, hey, I can do that too. And he was he was terrific for them. Um, you know, at I think five or six tackles, didn't miss any tackles, was solid in coverage. There was one play, the one touchdown where no one covered the guy and on the Bo Nicks spin out. There's a miscommunication with Kalen Bullock. I don't know who that's on, but it was between those two guys. You know, one there was a switch route. One person went inside, or both players went inside, defenders did, and one person should have went outside with the other defender. So I don't know if that was on him or Kalen Bullock, but otherwise, Traquan Fagans was really good in this. 
Uh, and then a couple guys that, you know, Trayvon Fagans gets his first start because Jalen Smith's not playing. Tyrone Talini gets his first start uh, this season. So him moving up a little bit, getting a little bit extra playing time, that was maybe one of, uh, you know, one of the changes that we saw because of the defense coordinator change. Not sure for certain, but he was in there a little bit more. Um, and then Jacoby Lane, first time we've seen him in action as a wide receiver in, I think, six or seven games. I would have to check my charts uh, in a minute to to – Solidify that answer. Solomon Bird was was really good again. He just had no help. Barry Alexander had some tackles, but wasn't getting the pass rush. Um, and Solomon Bird got blamed for the offsides. It was not actually him. It was actually Barry Alexander. So on that fourth and one, you know, people were like, well, he was offsides. No, that wasn't actually him. I got stock up on Caleb Watch. Uh, USC fans, you might want to get to the Coliseum on Saturday. Because it's probably the last time you'll see Caleb Williams. I mean, I don't, I don't know him personally whether he has decided about playing in a bowl game or not. But if it's a Vegas bowl or a Gasparilla bowl or whatever it's going to be, there's a good chance that he may not play in it. Obviously, it's not a New Year's Six bowl, so there's a chance he does not play. We'll see what happens. I think Caleb, as an individual, would choose to play. Caleb as an entity, as in everyone around him, the agent and everyone else may say, it's in your best interest to shut it down. Let's go focus on being the number one pick overall. So we'll see. So Caleb, watch. If you got a chance, get out to the Coliseum because you're going to want to watch him. He wants to beat the Bruins. He loves rivalries. You saw him on the field after the UCLA game last year, how hyped he was. Uh, This one's going to mean a lot to him, especially if that decision maybe has already been made. And he, and he knows it's going to be his last game, then he, you know it's going to mean even more to him. But stock up on Caleb Watch. Um, being done with the Tim Brando-Spencer Tillman combination, because USC's next game is not going to be on Fox, they're just not very good. And I, I don't mean to bag on people, but it, it's hard. It, like I like to glean stuff from the broadcast, and that's not necessarily what you're getting from, from that duo. So being done with them as a stock up. Stock up on uncertainty. And this one actually comes from, from someone on Twitter. They they wrote it out pretty well. So first nom, bunch no. I don't, I don't know exactly what all that means. But he said, nothing about this program screams, we're okay. There's going to be more uncertainty next year and an even tougher schedule. Now, tougher schedule, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. There'll be some bad Big Ten teams as well. But LSU, Notre Dame, all that addition to Michigan, um, Maryland, Minnesota, all those teams that you're playing as well. So we'll see, but there is definitely a lot of uncertainty right now with the USC program. When you're going to lose Caleb Williams, you're going to lose a couple more offensive linemen. That's been a you know a, a weakness for them uh, rather than a strength. And you know who are you going to lose the transfer portal? Who are you going to you know who's going to be the defense quarter? All these things very uncertain right now. And my last stock up was the reserve DBs. You mentioned Makai Lemon stepping in. Played pretty good and is, you know, few snaps. Didn't play a ton. I uh, already mentioned Traquan Fagan stepping in. Prophet Brown, I thought, played pretty well. You know, gave up one or two catches. Nothing big. I think that's that's huge for him and his confidence going forward. But those reserve DBs were just thrown in the mix. At one point, it was, I think it was Makai Lemon with Traquan Fagan's at nickelback and Prophet Brown on the other side. You know, coming into the season, could you have imagined that being this the lineup that you were had to throw out there? You know, at the beginning of the second half, with or in the first drive of the second half, that was the case. So, um, you know, that was uh, not ideal for USC. And Lincoln Riley mentioned that you know they had a bunch of players that were banged up that 
maybe weren't wouldn't be playing if everyone else was healthy. Guys that certainly weren't 80% is what he said, or probably weren't 80%. On Saturday, he said there were guys playing at about 70% health-wise, and so they just had to. They gutted it out for the team type of thing. Christian Roland Wallace is definitely one of those guys. We saw him play some in the first half, didn't play much in the second half, played a few snaps, and then was basically shut down. So, you know, you were without – you know, Damani Jackson also leaves right at halftime. So, you're without your top two corners. You're without your nickel back. You're without your playmaking linebacker and Eric Gentry. It, to hold him to 36 points is is a little bit surprising. Now, also, the, there weren't a ton of possessions. They still gave up a good amount of points per possession. But even then, like you would think, oh, Oregon might try to attack quickly because they're so beat up on defense. But um, overall, a decent performance from the defense. Not a good performance, obviously. Um, but considering all the different things, you know, it was better than expected. I wouldn't even say a decent performance, but better than expected given all the circumstances and what we know about this defense coming in. So that's my stock ups, Chris. I know it's a lot of them. What are your thoughts? Anything that stands out to you? Well, you kind of hit on everything yourself, so I don't really need to jump in a lot. But yeah, Traquan Fagans, I forgot to mention him. But yeah, he came in, played really well. He's definitely kind of a bright spot you could look to for the future. Like, hey, this guy's relatively young. He was kind of a you know an exciting piece we added, but then became an afterthought. Didn't really hear much about him, see much about him, and then Obviously, he's popping up now to be a contributor for this team. I think, hopefully, you know, I know Jalen Smith probably is going to be back next week, but you hope you can find ways to get him in involved as well, potentially maybe moving into a starter role next season, hopefully get Zion Branch back. So there are some bright spots for that secondary that you have for next season, and he is definitely one of them. Uh, you, I think I think that's all. I, I totally just blanked on something I was going to say. And I don't have anything to grab onto shotgun. So I think you should just go into your stock downs because you have a lot of them. I don't have a lot of them because I'm tired of saying the same stocks. Uh, so I said reserve DBs and stock up. I got stocked down for starting DBs. Uh, you know, Chris, like I said, Christian Roller Wallace and Demaya Jackson got banged up in this game where Christian Roller Wallace was already banged up. But that's that's what I wanted to mention. Christian Roller Wallace did not practice all this week. So I was kind of surprised that he played. Mm-hmm. There was the rumblings that he... Jalen Smith and Eric Gentry were all going to be out, but he made the trip and he was out there playing. So we know just you could just see him out there moving. He wasn't 100%, but yeah, he did not practice all that week. So I was surprised that he actually played. And then Traquan Fagans gets hurt early in the game. Now he ends up coming back in the game, but they have to move Christian Roller Wallace inside to Nickelback. And I don't know exactly what the injury is. Obviously, they're not, they haven't told us anything. Um, it's, it appears to be lower body. It's just, he's not moving right. And I don't know if it's like something upper lower body, you know, hip or growing something, but he wasn't really opening up well. The second touchdown, he was guarding uh, Troy Franklin, Franklin going over the middle and it just did not look like he could really open up his hips and turn and run at the same time. And then obviously Max Williams gets turned around. Uh, but, you know, he, he was struggling. He's a guy that would not have played this game if they had more able bodied guys. Uh, and Lincoln Riley kind of mentioned you know, there's some guys that wouldn't have been playing if everyone else was healthy, and he's one of those guys, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, I commend him for going out there, but stock down because he got beat on that touchdown. Stock down for the safeties. You know, Max Williams and Kalen Bullock both have a shot on the first touchdown, and neither one of them gets him down. Max Williams gets turned around on the second one. Kalen Bullock, there's the miscommunication with Traquan Fagans. 
um, on the, I think it was the third touchdown, you know, the one that I mentioned earlier. So, you know, just the starting DBs, you know, Demaya Jackson gets beat on that long one that Troy Franklin has. And I don't know who's at fault. It's either Troy, it's either Demaya Jackson or Max Williams because there was a miscommunication. Demaya Jackson thought he had safety help over the top as in a cover two type of defense. There was no safety help there. You see him open up his hips and kind of work like he's in a cover two type of defense. It wasn't the case. So, you know, some people are going to blame automatically Demaya Jackson. He may be to blame. But it again, there's another miscommunication there uh, from the starting DB. So starting DBs stocked down. They've been playing okay, I thought, especially, you know, as much island coverage as Demaya Jackson and Christian Ronald Wallace. They've been playing pretty well. Uh, but this game, that they were the reason why they didn't win this game. Now, it didn't help that they got no pass rush at all. Solomon Bird got like one or two nice pass rushes, and that was about it. But otherwise, no one did anything. Bo Nix could have taken a nap back there if he knew he had a nap standing up um, because he couldn't have his knee touch the ground. But otherwise, you know, it, they didn't help the DBs out for sure. But the starting DBs did not play very well. So I'll start there. Stock down defensive health, obviously. Uh, stock down Mason Cobb and Mason Murphy. The Masons did not play well in this game. Mason Cobb led the team in tackles, but he had five missed tackles according to Pro Football Focus. He's now actually tied for the national lead with 24 missed tackles. Um, and he's basically at the same missed tackle rate as last year at Oklahoma State. So it's not like he's gotten worse, but he hasn't gotten better. Now he flies around. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy that I contemplated not putting him on stock down because he was everywhere in this game. But part of that is he flies around and misses some tackles. So with five missed tackles, I had to put him on here. Mason Murphy did not play very well. He got beat a good amount. Um, the offensive line as a whole struggled. Communication issues on some twists and things. It's it's week, what, 11? Week 12? Whatever week of the season it is, USC's numbers are obviously thrown off because it's their week zero game. But the offensive line has just not been as good as we anticipated. And Mason Murphy was kind of the linchpin in this game for me. Stock down Bryson Shaw. Only played one snap on defense. I think that was probably the most noticeable. Alex Grinch is gone. Who gets more or less playing time? Uh, you know, even when there was the nickelback issues, they did not move Max Williams to nickel and put Bryson Shaw in, which is something we've seen from them last week. So that one stood out. Stock down Dorian Singer. He looked like a zombie in the second half. And by that, I mean he had his shoulders were slumped down basically to his butt, his chin was on his chest. You know, he was just like moping around like a zombie on the sideline because he was he got demoted um, and he didn't seem to take it well. He was sitting on the bench after the game when everyone else had already gone in or everyone else was, you know, meeting with people in the middle of the field. So that one that stood out uh, to me. And un unfortunately for him, it's just not been the year that he hoped to have when he came to USC this season. And for him to not play as much in the second half when and Jacoby Lane's getting a ton of snaps. That I'm sure it stung, but he, it didn't seem like he handled it well. Relique Brown seems to have just shut it down. So I got that on stock down. Uh, even though he could have played this game, could have played the next one and still been on a red shirt. Stock down on Zachariah Branch. He hasn't had a 50, he hasn't had 50 yards from the line of scrimmage since Arizona State. Uh, they've done some different things with him, whatnot, but he had a drop in this game. He can't do anything. He'll kick return. No one blocks for him. Also, why was he standing on the 20-yard line for a kickoff after a 15-yard penalty? Did no one inform him, you know, where to stand? Because then he has to go back on that ball. He ends up 
USC should have started from at least the 30, 35, 40, and instead they start from the 10. Um, now, that's not necessarily on him, but you know it, he's not being as productive as he was in the beginning of the season. I got stuck down there, and then I got stuck down on three or four plays from being 10 and 1. Lincoln Riley said this multiple times, and he's right. We've discussed why he's right about that. It is true. It could be true, at least. But there are also three or four from being four and seven. And they could have lost six straight if not for a couple of two-point conversions going the other way against Cal and Arizona. So, And then, Chris, uh, we were talking about – I think it was me and you were talking about, you know, if they don't get the onside kick against Colorado, we all assume Colorado's going down to score. So, you know, that's – there's two two two-point conversions – and that onside kick, that's three plays, and they could be four and seven right now. Seven and four is not great, but it's better than four and seven. So uh there no, I think they're the question would really be are they closer to 10 and one? Or are they closer to four and seven? You know, the, depending on your outlook on life and your outlook on USC football, you would probably uh, sway your decision there. Uh, but yeah, three or four plays away from being 10 and one, I got to stock down on that one too. Yeah, I also had the stock down on Bryson Shaw playing time because just when you pointed it out, it just like screamed in my face. Like, what does that tell you about Alex Grinch no longer being there? And then Bryson Shaw only plays one single snap. It's just like a glaring thing that is pointed out to us about, you know, who was running the the show and who what players kind of favors were playing. And, you know, I know fans have been frustrated by Bryson Shaw for a lot a lot a lot of times this season so i just thought that was a very telling thing to see that he only played one single snap and they're doing kind of whatever they could to not play him in this game it felt like just moving everyone around and getting those people who they wanted out there i have a also in a big picture kind of thing stock down on the depth of the program just because when you compare it to oregon's depth it's just vastly different you can see the differences you know if USC lost someone on the offensive line. They're screwed. They're shit out of luck. And, you know, if you felt like Oregon lost a couple guys, they'd be fine. They have guys. They have, they've recruited well, the offensive line, you know, and it's just across the board with the secondary, the receivers at times, uh, defense, obviously. So there was just depth all over the field for Oregon. And there wasn't the case with USC. And that's where USC needs to get to because, USC and Lincoln Riley was not left with a fully stocked fridge, if you will, from the Clay Helton years. Dan Lanning, on the other hand, was left with a pretty good fridge with, you know, Mario Cristobal and how well he recruited at Oregon. And obviously their NIL is rolling, so they're able to add more and more and more. And so USC is just not up there with all those top teams or where they want to be, you know, with the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Alabamas. The Georgias and whatnot, they need more depth. They need talent across the board, just not on their starting level. And I think that was very evident when they played Oregon. And then my last stock down, I had stock down on electric cars because it caused so much chaos for us <laughs> at the end of this very, very long day. If you don't know, we had an electric car rental and it wasn't a hybrid, so it's full electric. So charging on the way there was a pain in the butt. The one we tried to charge that wasn't working. So we had to go to another one. We spent 40 minutes waiting. And then on the way back, we had to make sure we, we got charged up before the game started. So we didn't have to wait, but we ended up having to wait. And we went to four different chargers 
to find a charge and get us the final 20 miles to <laughs> the hotel. And we were all delirious with sleep. We tried to charge at 3 a.m. We didn't get back to the hotel till 4.20. So that's the 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 how long it took us to find somewhere just to charge for 15 minutes and get a little bit more juice. Shotgun was like out of it. He was like, I have nothing to do with this. I don't want to be here. And <laughs> it was just funny to see how all of us were reacting to this uh, after a super long drive back to Portland from Eugene. So I got stocked out on electric cars. I don't know how you have so many charging points. And then it took us four different places to find one that was going to uh, fulfill our needs. So stock down electric cars. I have to. I'm sorry to the future, yeah. but I'm sorry. I didn't realize there were so many charging places in an area. I mean, I've never had to go charge anywhere. You know, I've ri- ridden with a uh, road with Ryan to Las Vegas. And, you know, there's a couple spot, different spots where you can stop and charge. And we've done that uh, in his Tesla. But I've never had to seek out one on a road trip. And this is part of the reason why I looked at purchasing an electric car the last time I bought a car um, because I like the idea of it and not paying gas because I drive a lot. But that's also the reason why I chose not to do it because I don't really plan out road trips very well. Ryan can be like, okay, I'm going to do this. This is where I'm going to stop. That's how he does it. I'm usually like, oh, 2 a.m. in the morning, I'm like, oh, if I leave at 8, I can go to this game and I can go to this game or whatever it may be, or I go to a high school football game um, and like, well, this one's played early on a Saturday. Maybe I can catch another one later on a Saturday type of thing. Same thing during baseball season. So I don't really plan things out very well at that, but I did not realize how many were in a close vicinity like there were. However, there obviously are big differences in some being the like small chargers, as Ryan called them, some being the superchargers or whatever, uh, and the difference in the time it takes to to charge up and everything. Um, but I was also part of the reason probably that you guys didn't have enough charge. Obviously, adding extra weight causes the car to burn more energy. So I probably am part of the reason why it happened. But yes, I was passed out on the way back. I had already edited everybody's stories. So I was resting until we got back. Um, so yep, that was a, that definitely an adventure. As always, there's always an adventure along through the season. Uh, while, sure, we were, sure. while we were talking about some of the differences um, with the playing time on the defensive side, I kind of looked up the – I haven't done my full charting yet, so I don't have the full numbers as far as quarter breakdowns and all that type of stuff. But a couple of numbers did stand out from PFF's snap totals as well. Uh, Tackett Curtis only played 11 snaps. Obviously, Tackett Curtis had been starting. Now, he didn't start last week, but with no air gentry, was wondering, all right, who's going to get the start? We heard Rajon Davis may start, but I figured Tack Curtis would still be in the mix. He played 11. Shane Lee actually played 21. So maybe we'll see a little bit more Shane Lee the last couple games. Um, and then one or two on the defensive line. Uh, Stanley Tafu had played 17 snaps. It's a little bit less than what he has been playing. Uh, Keon Bars, though, played 28 snaps. Now he has been basically backing up Barry Alexander, playing directly behind him in this game. And Barry Alexander doesn't come off the field except for when he is absolutely gassed um and maybe that's an issue for usc because we haven't seen him do much in the second half of the season maybe they've used him a little bit too much that's not not a question we'll try to answer right now but we saw keon bars beside barry alexander more in this game than we have in a long time and that's something that we thought at the very beginning of the season would be the starting lineup and it was actually the opening day lineup but it's been very rare that we've seen that since 
So Keon Barr's playing 28 snaps at, at, at tackle definitely stood out to me as well. So I forgot to mention those um, in stock ups, but those are some guys that maybe get a couple more reps. Jack Sullivan got a little bit more playing time than he has been getting. So those are a couple other guys that may be in the different defense coordinator, different person calling the shots on the playing time officially, and maybe that's why you saw them a little bit more this game than some of the others. There you go. And you said – I did want to point out, you said Mason Cobb kind of the same in terms of missed tackles that he was what he was having at Oklahoma State. So you're saying he stayed the same. So stock neutral for Mason Cobb. It sounds like that's where he should have been, Shotgun. No, Chris. No, there's no such thing. That would be his meaning is his stock is unchanged. Um, and that's for you to decide if you want to do, but I have him on stock down for this game because he did have five missed tackles in this one. Um, but we'll see if he bounces back next week against UCLA. I still think he's been one of their uh, biggest contributors on defense, even though there's been a bunch of missed tackles. Like I said, he's a guy flying around. Um, and be interesting, if he decides to stay another year, obviously he could leave. Um, the new DC coming in, can you get that cleaned up? Because I think he could be a huge impact guy for you if that if you can clean that aspect of his game up. That obviously is a is, is something that has been an issue for the last couple of years for him when he's gotten that significant playing time. But if you can clean that up, I mean, that's 20 more tackles. He already leads the team by like 15, 13, 15, and he played two less games than everybody else. So, you know, you had 20 more tackles. Now, what's his tackle number going to look like at the end of a season? So I think you get that cleaned up. But that's something for the new defense coordinator and his position coach of the future, whether that's Brian Odom or not, we shall see. All right, Chris, let's look forward. We've looked at the past. Let's look forward real quick. We got rivalry week. Rivalry week. You struggled with it earlier. Now I'm struggling with it. Uh, USC will oh, yes. play in the Crosstown Showdown against the Baby Blue UCLA Bruins. I love it. I love the fact that they wear the colored home jerseys regardless of where they play. It makes for such impactful photos. No one else does it around the country, or at least not consistently like USC and UCLA do it. Do it. This rivalry means more, I think, than a lot of other places just because of the literal neighbor bragging rights. Everyone you go to work with, there are people that are UCLA fans, there are USC fans. You have to work beside them. You have to live beside them. It's not like Auburn, Alabama, where if you live in Auburn, you're not a you're not a Crimson Tide fan. You live in Tuscaloosa, you're not wearing orange and, and navy. Like It doesn't happen. So you might closet that but you're not openly rooting for them you're not openly talking about it throughout the year if you have those bragging rights so this is a big bragging rights game so even though both teams are not playing to the expectations they had i I think it's still a big game and we'll see you know who can get up rally up for it and you know make some plays in this one the bruins are obviously struggling they lost 17-7 to arizona state with arizona state breaking out kind of a gimmick offense and it working against ucla Took UCLA's defense out of the picture, and UCLA's offense is really struggling right now. They've been one-dimensional offense where they can only run the ball. The quarterbacks have been musical chairs. They've had a bunch of injuries there. They've had a ton of turnovers. Their red zone offense has been atrocious. But their defense has been really good, and their defensive front is probably, if not the best in the nation, it's one of the top five for sure. They got the number one rush defense in the nation. They got the number nine scoring defense. This should be an interesting matchup of 
strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness. We've seen this a couple times for USC, uh, but let's see you know what's going to happen when it's a, when you throw in some rivalry, some fuel to the fire, some anger, some hatred, especially if there's you know if the players are taking with them what the rest of the season has transpired. Break out that hate this week. Let it fuel you. Like I said, I'm wearing my you know a hood like I'm in Star Wars right now. You know, start. I want to see some red eyes out there. I want to see some anger, some hatred. Let the evil flow through you, Chris. Wants to see some red eyes. Basically, Shotgun is saying, smoke up a blunt at this game. 1230 <laughs> kickoff. That's what he's saying. That's what I'm hearing, Shotgun. We just came back from Portland. I see. That is I pick, not I pick what up I was saying. I pick up what you're putting down, Shotgun. I respect it. I respect it. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game good on good obviously ucla's defense has you know been one of the darlings of college football in terms of where they were last year to the improvement and national relevance they become under d'anthony lynn and you know chip kelly coaching for his job if he doesn't make it you know through the season if he they're making a change at head coach you know d'anthony lynn's phone is going to be blowing up with mm-hmm. calls uh, over the next couple of days. And maybe USC is going to be calling, calling, hey, you live in L.A. already. Don't have to move. Just come be our defense coordinator. You're done an incredible job we, uh, year one. So USC fans, maybe you're coming out to see Caleb Williams also play his final game. But maybe you're also coming to see out possibly a new candidate for the defensive coordinator job. Because if they win, obviously the hot seat gets a little hotter for Chip Kelly and maybe – that's what pushes them over the edge. So we'll see. I have no idea who's going to start at quarterback for UCLA. It's just a, as you say here, a mix musical, a musical chairs of guys. You know, they started. Uh, I'm blanking on his name last week. Sheely, uh, Colin oh, Sheely, Colin I Sheely, believe. Kent State transfer. Um, you know, running quarterback. Knowing if he, given this defense, knowing that if he starts, he's probably going to run for uh, 90 yards and two touchdowns and throw for 350 yards against USC's defense, but you know, they have a little bit more juice. We'll see if they can get a little bit more healthy. It would really help if they had Eric Gentry back for this one, but USC's offense, I think they're going to be able to move the ball a little bit. Obviously it's at home. So I'm interested to see that matchup. Obviously it comes down to USC offense versus UCLA's defense. Like Latu, Latu, you know, a meme at this point, but he's one of the best players in the nation at bursting the pasture, but he's also the love of, Clay Helton's life, a deep, dark love that I always have to bring up. He was the one that said, you know, Clay Helton told me I had a deep, dark love for me and wanted him to come to USC. And he has one of the most unique stories in college football, having, you know, gone to Washington, medically retired, and then bounced back at UCLA and become, you know, a guy who's being projected to be a first round pick. Mm-hmm. So incredible story for him. And we'll see if he's going to wreak some havoc in the Coliseum uh, and that deep, dark love for getting to the quarterback. So yeah, a lot of good storylines for this game, and you know these two these are these are two teams on two game losing streaks. So someone's walking out there with a win, and someone's gonna have you know a good springboard into their bowl game. Well, UCLA still has one more game, but you know a good ending note or some positive momentum and and breaking a losing streak. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the the defensive front, Latu Latu, um, the deep dark glove. Obviously, Clay Helton knew what he was talking about. You know, he could recognize talent there. We'll give him that. We'll give him that. <laughs> uh, Leia Tulatu is um, 
fourth in the nation in sacks per game, which is the way the NCAA stat site works. Um, he's averaging over a sack per game. He's got, I think, uh, 12 on the season, something like that, 11, 12. 11, like he's that. got 11, one off of Ellis from Utah. So Jonah Ellis? Chasing, yeah. Uh, and he's so, got eighteen point five tackles for a loss, which leads the Pac-12. So he's uh, he's racking them up behind the line. He's also fourth in the nation uh, in pressures, which he's just two behind. There's three guys tied for first. He is two behind Braylon Trice and a couple other guys. But also, Gabriel Murphy is eighth in the nation with forty six, and his brother Grayson Murphy is fourteenth in the nation with forty one. So. That's like nearly 150 pressures, 140 or so pressures this season from three guys. UC, USC's offensive line has their work cut out for them. Now, ASU, that's why they did the swing and gate formation. They try to take out those pass rushers as much as possible, and it worked for them. I, I wonder if there will be some wrinkles from Lincoln Riley to try to do some different stuff. They didn't really do change much against Oregon You know, from my first viewing of the game as far as all right, let's keep extra guys in. You know, they tried to spread them out a little bit to, you know, to get some quick action. Didn't really happen. Um, so I, I was a little bit surprised they didn't try to do a little bit more against Oregon to slow down the pass rush because obviously in the second half, you know, Caleb Williams was getting attacked all the time uh, because they had to pass the ball. And we mentioned Chip Kelly could potentially be coaching for his job. It might be a win or lose. If he wins, he stays. He loses. He's out. Could be that. Clear cut. I don't know the exact feeling over there. Um, you know, our colleague David Woods has been tweeting a lot about just some thoughts he's had on Sundays about coaches and whatnot. You can check those out if you want to. But Chris, I thought it was interesting. Could UCLA be a preview for USC? UCLA, number eight offense in the nation last year. USC is the top 10 offense. They lose their star quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Bring in a big-time freshman, sure, but just no continuity with the, the quarterback replacing Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and they've struggled this season. But they got a new defense coordinator and were able to turn things around. Now, I would think that Lincoln Riley could still find a way to score some points, but if they can get a defense coordinator, could this could be could this be like a little bit of a preview of what USC is looking at in the future of losing Caleb Williams, having to replace and bringing a new quarterback, whether it be Miller Moss, whether it be Malachi Nelson, whether it be someone from the transfer portal, or or and then figuring out the defense on the other side with a new defense coordinator, and if someone can come in and make as significant of a change as as Lynn has done for the, for UCLA's defense, and obviously it's. Not necessarily the preview USC fans would want to see as far as the win-loss record for UCLA right now, but could this be a little bit of a preview of what USC's team could look like next year? I think that's a really good point and a really uh, astute observation because, yeah, you're going to lose Caleb Williams and maybe you have a little more, you have more struggles on the offensive side of the ball. But I would say in the Big Ten, you probably could get away with having a less potent offense to a certain degree because those offenses, off offenses what i said that wrong offenses are not you know obviously oregon and washington are coming with you but for the most part the the pac-12 offenses are way better than the big 10 ones so you can kind of get away with not having to score 50 40 points a game so yeah they might take a step back but if you have an elite level defense like ucla does you can probably win more 
in the Big Ten than in the Pac-12. Will be interesting. We'll keep an eye on that going forward, and it'll all depend on that defense coordinator hire for USC and if they can turn things around drastically. Otherwise, USC could be in for a rough season if you know the quarterback situation goes the way UCLA's did at least. Well, we'll talk about that in the future. Chris, we got some questions we're going to answer. We got a bunch of questions actually sent in, and then we'll have some take or leave it at the end. But first, let's take a break. Let's hit up the sponsors. You guys check them out. Chris, go get you your quick uh, – I know you've been a little bit sleep deprived. Go get you a good 48-second nap, you know, recharged, and be ready to go for the second half. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Welcome back to the Helium Boys Podcast, part of the uscfootball.com network of podcasts. we got the Peristyle Podcast, the Helium Boys that we have. We have the two-star composite. We have the Harvey Hyde podcast. We have a bunch. We have the Dato download. We're going to add a basketball one into the mix here before too long as well. Looking forward to that. But this one's the Helium Boys, and we are a podcast of the people, Chris. We always try to take people's uh, questions, so we're going to get into that. But first, got to ask you, how was your break? Did you get your did you get your 48-second nap in? Yeah, a really good elite power nap for me. So I, I followed your game plan, and I think it's going to work out well. For the second half of the season, or this episode, not season, or at the end of the season, <laughs> shotgun. I did have one more quick stock up that I forgot to add. Oh, okay. uh, Helium Boys backdoor cover. We were the only people that picked <laughs> USC to cover this game, and you know, shout out to us for the backdoor cover for USC. So the first time, what in like six games they've covered. So you and I, let's go, baby, Helium Boys. That's true. I keep picking with the USC, and they finally actually made me right. Uh, they covered the spread, and partly that was because they were losing and Oregon took knees. Because I felt like when the USC didn't get the two-point conversion, I think I thought we had lost the push because I thought Oregon was going to go down and score and then uh, be ahead by more than 15. But USC's defense didn't give up an explosive play on the final drive. But, Chris, 
we got a bunch of questions. So let's jump into them. We're going to start with our guy, Noe. Noe, that's how you pronounce it. You know, we went back and forth on how to pronounce it. It's the Spanish version of Noah. I looked this up, uh, but Noe. Um, Noe G, I want to know, Healing Boys question, how would you guys rank these USC sports programs one through four based on NIL, national relevance, and future outlook? Interesting criteria here, but football, basketball, baseball, and women's basketball. I mean, I feel like we'd have to put women's basketball and men's basketball right up there. Maybe even women's basketball, number one, because they landed Juju Watkins, and NIL was a big part of that. And they just uh, landed two more five-star commitments. So something is working, the women's basketball team. And then, obviously, Andy Edfeld and his crew, they've been recruiting really, really well over the last several years. Uh, number one overall player, Isaiah Colley. You talked about him at the stop, start of Stock Up. So I think basketball has to be in there. Obviously, Shotgun could speak more to the baseball side of things, but I'm not really familiar with the baseball NIL of it all for USC. So, I mean... I feel like football is third there and baseball four, but shotgun will school me if I'm totally off base there, putting USC football above baseball NIL. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I, I I think that that's where exactly I would put them. Women's basketball, like you said, not only getting juju, not only bringing in some grad transfers, but I look at it as far as hey, that you know, NIL probably played some, some factor into that. The fact they're getting two five stars coming in, as well as the uh, the recruiting class they already had signed. Uh, but national relevance, they made the tournament last year. Men's basketball has made the tournament several years in a row. Future outlook obviously is looking really good for women's basketball right now because Juju Watkins can't go to the WNBA for a couple of years. Unlike the basketball program where you can leave NBA, you can go after one year. Women's basketball is an age, I believe it is, a certain age. I think it's I think it's 21, maybe 20, uh, but it'll be a couple of years for her before she's able to go. So she's going to be around. She's going to attract more talent to her and move into the top 10. Like I said, big time upset first uh, week of the season or opening day of the season. And now to move into the top 10, like I said, for the first time since 1994, National relevance definitely rising for the women's basketball. So I would agree with you uh, at number one, maybe you put men's above just because they've been nationally relevant for a little bit longer, but that's debatable. Basketball is definitely in front right now um, with the future outlook, because like we just talked about with football, there's definitely some uncertainty back to my stock up um, going into next season. So we'll see, you know, kind of what happens there. And then baseball, you know, I would put them at the bottom in part because of the national relevance, you know, USC baseball has not been nationally relevant for many years and they didn't make the tournament last year, even though they were very close, they probably should have been in the tournament. So they got to make the tournament before I would move them before anybody else there. So I completely agree with you. Great job, Chris. You are a master of multiple sports. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. You heard it here first. De La Cruz says, has the the way this season's played out in 2023 revealed anything about the 2022 team? I thought that was an interesting question. That is an interesting question. If I was smarter, I'd be able to give you a better answer. But, I mean, we've talked about this a composite two-star recruits, but, like, Teams obviously were not, they didn't have a bunch of tape on Caleb Williams. And that's why he was able to be much more successful in 2022. And obviously, I mean, the defense is what the defense was. And, you know, it worked for a little bit. And 
the regression of turnovers was a big reason why USC's 2022 team was getting stops. They were really bend don't break at the beginning of the year before they just broke all the time at the end. You know, obviously that carried over into 2023, but obviously I, again, I don't have a very big poignant point about 2022, but I think you were able to surprise some teams, you know, you were four and eight. I don't know what the expectations do. The expectations were kind of all over the place for that 2022 team. And they weren't really familiar with Caleb Williams. It was a new thing. First year with the program. I know you have tape from Oklahoma, but it's still different when you have that personnel. And then, yeah, it was just kind of special season in a way. Obviously he won the Heisman, but there was just some, a little bit, you know, sometimes football is about luck too. And they had some luck on some things. So I think it was just a season where they cashed in a lot of that luck and yeah, they were able to, you know, string together a season where they almost got to the college football playoff and Caleb's hamstring doesn't pop in the Pac-12 championship. You know, we're probably talking about how they were coming off that appearance and, you know, maybe, maybe they, they get back there at 22. I don't know. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I think it reveals that the 2022 team was a special group. The way that they came together, again, like I said, that, that was the most astonishing thing to me was the way they got everyone to buy in with so many new faces and put it all together. And the fact that it continued to work over and over and the fact that uh, I think I think you look back at it and you say, Travis Dye, wow, what a guy. Um, what you know, what an impact he made on this team because when he went down, obviously there was uh, some differences too. But this team hasn't come together in the same way. The the transfers on the offensive line haven't come together in the same way. Uh, those type of things that last year did, and that's the biggest thing when Lincoln Riley talks about, you know, last year we won these type of games. This year we're not. Part of it is the schedule. Tougher teams makes it harder to do that. But also they found ways to win last year. This year they're not able to do it. And I think that was the biggest difference. It's been the biggest difference this season, but it, I think it reveals – that that 2022 team had that special quality. And I think you're also seeing how difficult it is to build through the transfer portal in year two. Maybe you want to say this is year three really of the transfer portal, but look at the teams that have had success. Like, Oh wow. They did a really good job. TCU falling off a cliff. USC falling off compared to last year, Colorado. Everyone's super excited about what they did early in the season falling off. It's hard to build through the transfer portal. You got to do it through the high school ranks as well, and then supplement with the transfer portal. It's why you haven't seen, you know, the the Georgias or Alabamas, those type of teams that are consistently good have to really attack that. All right, we'll try to move a little bit quicker, Chris, because I know you want to get out of here. It's been a long day for you. It's been a long weekend for you. Uh, Jojo Reyes want to know: Can you see Lincoln Riley Riley hiring an offensive coordinator, maybe Cliff Kingsbury, if not hired in anywhere else, so he can manage the team more and hopefully change the culture of the football team? And then your pick of the DC, if you had to pick. Well, I don't think Lincoln Riley is at a place where he wants to give up the control of his coordinator duties and calling the offense. That's his baby. I don't think he's going to be giving that roll up anytime soon. Maybe you know down the line. When he's a 50-year-old coach, but right now, no, I don't I don't see that. And my pick out of DC, I mean, I have to go with Jim Leonard, right? I have to go with available DCs. Can I do that? Yeah. I I would go with with uh old Jim Leonard. I don't have to go with it. I'm still picking Dave Aranda, you know, if he were to get oh. fired by Baylor. So that's my choice. But he's not if fired. I had to pick. Uh yeah, that's fine. That's uh, he, fine. Hey, he could become Sean Lewis, the Sean Lewis of the Big 12. Sean Lewis was a head coach and he got hired away as office coordinator, right? 
I mean, it happens occasionally. Not doesn't usually happen power five, but I can throw it out there. Um, Jay Siggs asks us a lot of questions, usually interacts with us a lot. So, you know, he asks, at what point do we look for a new strength and conditioning coach? Do you feel like the blame should be put on Benny Wiley and his staff? Oh, there seems to be a lot of blame put on strength and conditioning coaches, whatever season it is. That's always been a constant thing with the fans. Like, get a new strength and conditioning coach. Get a new strength and conditioning coach. I think he's made some good progress since he arrived here with Lincoln Riley. I feel, I still think he needs a little bit more time to get those results going and consistently without the program and start building with the new recruits that they've been recruiting and getting in and developing guys. So I still think he needs a little bit more time. But an interesting timeline for this is, you know, obviously they're going to the Big Ten. Will his strength and conditioning structure and system work against going against some monsters in the Big Ten? USC needs to get bigger. They need to get faster. They need to get stronger. So I think what those results look like against the Big Ten will dictate when and if USC needs to make a change at that position because Riley and Benny go back. So I, I think that'd be a hard move for him to make. Now. I, I think it's hard to blame the strength and conditioning coach when you bring in smaller guys. But like, hey, why aren't you making our defensive linemen, our defensive tackles three inches taller? Like, that's what it feels like fans are upset with the strength and conditioning Point. coach. Like, why is he not three inches taller? And then, therefore, he can put on 30 pounds much easier. Like or have that 30 pounds just naturally the way they've recruited the guys they've gone after. It's, you know, the guys they brought in like Braylon Shelby, looks like a dude, but that's an edge guy. They haven't brought in a ton of guys like Barry Alexander looks perfectly fine for in the interior guys. They haven't brought in a ton of big body guys. And then suddenly the guys have just withered away. Um, so I, I don't think you can blame the strength conditioning for that necessarily. I think strength conditioning you want you should want to be strong in the trenches and they've struggled in the trenches, but that all goes back to me to re- the recruiting way before the strength and conditioning coaches ever touched them. Kristen wanted to know, genuinely curious last, this was directed at me. I believe last podcast, you mentioned Alex Grinch tried a lot of different things besides bringing in transfers, rotating nonstop in the early games. What tangible things do you try? Now I, I mentioned this because I was saying that Grinch wasn't trying to lose the games. Like he was trying different things. <laughs> Now, I don't think he did as much as someone like Todd Orlando. I think Todd Orlando would try to experiment a lot more. Um, Alex Grinch, I mean, he did do things like, you know, whether it be different packages, whether it be different personnel, those type of things, you know, whether to to, to drop eight against Washington. You know, he tried some things like that. It weren't necessarily all successful. Um, but I, I think that I if I was – I wasn't intending to say that that was his strength that he tried a bunch of things there. I think Todd Orlando is someone I thought really tried a lot of more things. Um, experiment a lot more to try to find something that will work and remedy in games, especially when things weren't working than Alice Grinch did. You see the nickel all the time for Alice Grinch. So he, he wasn't necessarily experimenting and trying a bunch of different things in that he was trusting his system and trying to trust his players to get it done. And that wasn't necessarily happening under him. Judy wants to know what qualities do you want to see in a new DC and what qualities do you want to see in the mindset focus of the team in the off season? Good question. Good question. The new DC. Um, I want someone who pisses motor oil. I want a, I want a motherfucker. I want a dude who's intense. That's what I want. Interesting. All right. Uh, 
I'm stay away if I have any white shoes on. If this guy ever has to piss, uh, he's pissing motor don't get, oil. Don't, don't the new guy, don't get the new DC those all white warm ups. He, he can't, <laughs> he can't do it. You know, it's not, it's not a good fit. All black, maybe not all white. I mean, Alice Grinch is a guy that has fire too. I will not say he doesn't have any fire, but yeah, maybe you want somebody's, you know, the Will Muschamp esque tirades on the sideline is what Chris seems to be looking for. I want a DC that is willing to trust the talent level when they get the talent level being better, trust the talent level being better than the opposition. So that means you don't have to be balls to the wall all the time, blitz happy, trying to make impact plays over and over and over when sometimes you can just bend but don't break. When you have more talented athletes, uh, you will have against some most of the Big Ten teams, trust your athletes to make plays instead of trying to send a bunch of guys to create an action. So I would like to see a little bit more of that. Not necessarily all the time, but a little bit more of that. Anything on the mindset focus of the the team the offseason? No, I don't want to see no fancy like offseason motto. Yeah, I don't want to see that. I just want them shut up, put their head down. They're going to be overlooked kind of going to the season. No Caleb Williams, Big Ten, really tough schedule. I just want them to put their head down and go to work. I don't want anything other than that. I don't want no slogan. I don't want none of that stuff. I just I just want to see them grind is what I want to see. I don't want them. That's all. Honestly, I want to be, be pissed. This season was not acceptable. I want to see Lincoln Riley say that at one point. This is not acceptable. He comes out and he says, we're so close. We're doing this. We're doing this. This is not acceptable. What if those three plays did go the other way and they're four and seven? Would you be still going, well, we're six to eight plays away from being 10 to one? Like, no. At some point, say, this shit's not okay. We're going to go get it fixed. And that be the motto of the offseason. We have to do be better, be better, be better. That would be my offseason motto. Just be better. You can do it in however you want. Oh, 1% better every day. You know, that's always a, a cliche. Then, except for Utah, who says they got to be 22% better, which I understand why they're using the number 22 with their fallen teammates and all, but it's just a weird thing to me. 22% better today. Okay. Uh, Josh Wolf wanted to know, uh, he has a, the at name of Pizza Wolf, which is great to, to see. We love pizza. Do you see them trying some other players now that the championship aspirations, I guess, are over? I mean, you have guys who are under the four-game redshirt limit. I wouldn't be surprised if we're getting some new faces out there, some more time. Obviously, Jacoby Lane got a lot of time in that Notre Dame game, so... He didn't have a catch, but maybe we'll maybe we'll get a catch against UCLA. So yeah, I definitely expect to see some new faces out there come uh, in the last two games. He did have some targets, um, so you know they did just they didn't just put him out there to run, you know, to block or whatever. So I wouldn't expect to see a bunch this week against UCLA unless obviously they get up a bunch. But the bowl game, I would not be surprised if hey, whatever offensive linemen they expect are gone. Maybe you don't see as much of them. Maybe let's get Alani Noah more time. Let's get, you know, Elijah Page more time or rotating or something like that. I would not be surprised to see some of those young guys, especially in the bowl game, though. 
Meg had a couple of questions. One of them is an over and under question, question, Chris. So USC makes the playoff in the next two years. I don't want to stay, take, steal your take or leave it if this is one of yours. It is not. I think it was uh, earlier in the season, actually. It was. I think so, yes. Uh, I'm going to go over. 12-team playoff. I think, uh, I think USC, I, and I'm trusting Lincoln Riley here to do it, and maybe that's a wrong thing to do, but that he'll get things figured out uh, for them. Forget the name of the DC hire, but is this Lincoln's one shot to make staff corrections before he's on the hot seat? Might be a little early. Um, so I'll say no. I'm going to leave it, but you do have to make this a good hire. That's all I'll say. It's a very good question, though. Great question there, Meg. Appreciate uh, that one. Uh, Tyler says, Do you think we can get an elite coordinator? I do. You know, yeah. when USC hired. You know, Todd Orlando in the past, you know, I think that was the only like coordinator hire I've been aware for defensive coordinator. You know, Lincoln R- or Clay Helton did not have cachet. USC's brand was tarnished. You know, Lincoln Riley has cachet. You know, it's a new era in terms of, you know, investments. You have the facility coming. It's obviously Lincoln Riley. They're back to being on the national stage again, going to the Big Ten. Yeah, I think I think they can get an elite coordinator. Also, look at the hires of Josh Henson and Sean Nua, who were guys that were not here already and not guys he brought from Oklahoma, and they have great reputations coming in. So I think that you'll see him go out and be able to do that. And I think they have, the, like you said, the cachet to be able to do that. Uh, Sean wanted to know, is it really mutually exclusive to run a typical defensive front when your offense is an air raid? Have there been other notable examples where this has been successful? Do you think it's you know, the, that you're running an air raid forces you to run a certain type of defense. No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think it's just what's happened historically, but you can do whatever you want. I think someone on the the P actually did a really good breakdown of like breaking down a, every defensive coordinators that's, you know, that they want for USC and their, their kind of, uh, their success rate in terms of their style against certain offenses that they've been paired with. So I think, hmm. I think it does make a difference to a certain extent, but I don't, I don't think you have to be square peg round hole for a certain type of offense has to be run against a certain type of defense. Yeah. I, I don't think that is that they're mutually exclusive uh, there, but um, we'll see if, if, if uh, Lincoln Riley goes out and gets, same type of defense or if there's some, you know, if it's something that's completely different than what we've seen um, under him or under Mike Leach or something, I mean, Zach Arnett's name obviously is going to be floated around since he did coach under Mike uh, Leach for a year at Mississippi state before taking over the head coach job. Uh, So go get the, go get the right coach. I don't necessarily care about the right scheme. Yeah. Yeah. I think a right coach will change and adapt and do other things. Just give me the right coach. I don't care about the scheme necessarily. And then maybe you do have to figure out the practice and that whole thing. Does you does Lincoln Riley need to make adjustments to the way he practices? That's always something that comes up with air raids and air raid defenses because of the way air raid offenses are run in practice. And I don't think Lincoln Riley runs his practices. And again, we don't get to see to be fully uh, transparent here, but uh, the way Mike Leach did. You know, if you listen to Kingsbury or Riley or when they talk about their practices when they were under Mike Leach, it was like we ran. I think it was Kingsbury talking about the play that beat Texas to Michael Crabtree. He's like, we ran that play 
like 50 straight times in practice. And he's like, it didn't matter if the defense knows that it's coming, but you per- try to perfect. And that was the, the difference in the air raids. There were so few plays. Lincoln Riley's not the same way. His offense has a ton of different motions and movements and different things and different looks um, that the, the variety, more variety in his offense. Varsity's kind of fine. Maybe overrule you to just do two of these last four. I'm, I'm getting to the breaking point with my all questions right, right all now. Right. Uh, I thought this one was interesting. Varsity's finest said, what else can USC do to get their at- game day atmosphere on par? He suggested make more of a push to build unity in the community with its people who are fans and contributors to school or allow the public to get more involved with the team. Anything that you think of that they could do to make the game day atmosphere more on par? I can tell you one thing. Don't play that dumb Coliseum song that they made for the halftime. You weren't there for that game. Oh, they unve- unveiled no, I was a special. There. Oh, yes. So that was terrible. I'm sorry <laughs> to like, you know, I understand creating music can be tough and stuff, but that was not a good song. That's one thing. And I'm saying that more so as a joke. But yeah, I don't I don't have the answer to how you build up unity in the community. I mean, I would say put out a championship football team and that will solve like, uh, you know, 50 percent of the issues if, if you would. Don't price out your best fans, your biggest fans, I guess, your biggest fanatics. Get those people involved. Get them in the stadium. Those are the ones that are going to be loudest. Uh, if anyone asks anyone to sit down, say get over it. You stand up. And if you need to, have a special like area where people do sit, where there's geriatrics, where there's medical issues, whatever. That'll be the sitting session. Other areas, if, you, if someone's standing up, and you want them to sit down, that's your problem. You have to stand up, not the other way around. Um, we, we have three from Instagram, so I did put it out there. So we'll do them real quick, Chris. I'll believe you. Off. Uh, Kate want to know, why did Riley wait so long to cut ties with Grinch? The writing's been on the wall since last season. We've talked about this before, but it. I thought that the defense would be better and progress, and I'm sure Lincoln Riley thought the same thing with better talent and more time in the system. That was definitely not the case, so unfortunately – the move had to be made after they were so bad recently. Uh, Deck Doser, I guess is the way you would say this. You guys think Riley will use this season as a lesson on how to improve on physicality? I mean, I think a lot of that's going to have to be dependent on the new DC and how they want to run practice and how to do things. That's why I want someone who pisses motor oil shotgun. <laughs> I want to see that nine on nine again. Well, I've never seen nine on nine, but I want to see that, that, uh, that physicality intensity back in. You want to hear about them actually doing that. Hear about, hear about. Yes, that's a better way to say it. And then lastly, Kangaroo said, what does Riley need to do to get some of the naysayers off his back? Because obviously, you know, I've been tweeting out his Trojan Lives comments. I I guess I'm the only one, but a lot of vitriol about the things that Lincoln Riley has been saying. And that's what happens when you lose, what, four out of five now? Yeah, just win. And that's it. Win, get some recruits, and you're fine. You know, that's pretty much it. All right. I know it's simple things, but maybe not so simple. I don't know. Just win K- some games. K-I-S-S. Simple solutions, baby. Yeah. All right, Chris, you get to take over. You got some take it or leave for me or what? I do got some take it or leave for you that, you know, we're going to get into right now or as soon as I pull these up. Uh, let's run through these. Take it or leave it. UCLA kind of struggling in offense. I've only scored over 30 points. Once in the last seven games, 
Take it or leave it. UCLA cracks 30 points this weekend. Ooh. What did Arizona State score against USC? Arizona State? Yeah. Off the top of my head. I, I don't have it. Was, it. I, I think, think it was like, like 28. Yeah, 28. Yeah, that's where I think UCLA will be. So I'm going to leave it. You leave it? Yep. Yeah, 42-28 was the final score of that one. Okay, take it or leave it. If he plays, Kyle Ford scores a touchdown in the Coliseum. He does not have a touchdown this season. He was a little banged up. He did not play against uh, Arizona State. Uh, I think he's only got like 13 catches for like 150-something yards and no touchdown. So if he plays, does he score, Shaka? I'm going to leave it because UCLA's best opportunity to get into the end zone will be on the ground. Okay. I'm not trusting Uh, quarterbacks. Take it or leave it. Much like last year, a very narrow uh, margin of victory for USC. Take it or leave it. This game is decided by three points or less. USC, I believe, was favored by six. I'll take it. Rivalry game. Okay, he's going to take it. He's going to take it. He's going to take it. Okay. Let's bring the Uh, excitement. Take it or leave it. There is a DC hire before December 1st. Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, obviously, with the bye week, opportunity to go do that type of thing. Lincoln Riley might be at someone's Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know. I'll take it. Okay. Uh, the last one, maybe a little bit too silly, uh, but still football related because of a comment you made on the sidelines uh, at Autzen that I wanted to get on record. Uh, you got to pick one shotgun, kind of a take one, leave the other. Going on here. Right. Uh, Sean Nua and Vic Soto in a fight to the death. Oh, I'm taking Vic Soto. You're just going with physique, man. I don't, I don't agree with this, this take, man. I don't uh, agree with this take. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's your, it's your take it or leave it. It's not, it's not you, but uh, I don't know. Can you give us like a the cage walk? match between them, but. Vic Soto has that fire. I don't. I mean, Shanua has fire too, but I'm taking the physicality and the fire with Vic Soto. I don't know, man. I'm picking the guy who's weighs more than a full grown moose. You know, that's just kind of my <laughs> my my takeaway on that. Pretty that's sure right Vic Soto can can you know overhead clean that that uh, full size moose. Not a chance. There's no way he's full size cleaning <laughs> Shanua. Not a chance. Uh, those are all my take it or leave it. So we're going to overtime. Shotgun, you mentioned it earlier. I know you were, you and Connor are trying to do a basketball podcast. You're having trouble coming up with a name. So I came up with several names here. So you're going to take it or leave it. <laughs> these names, obviously it does not matter if you use any of these, but just first. Uh, just just them, as basketball it. podcast names. Yes, yes, yes. Or these are... is it USC basketball podcast? Like, no, it's 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 your podcast. Okay, I'm, I'm trying right. to help you brand um, uh, this podcast. Names. All right. Yes, they're more generic because I couldn't think of anything with Galen like Dato Download. It's a very tough word to to rhyme with. They should change the name just so you guys can have an easier podcast name. But uh, <laughs> this one is a little a lot, meta. Galen family for not thanks having a lot, Galen. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Galen. Uh, why couldn't you be something like that starts with T? Something tip off. That would have been easy. Uh, this one, it's a little meta. Uh, the triple double with co-host Shotgun Spratling. 
because Connor's nickname is Triple Double, so it's a uh, it's like a two for one there. We're we're likely taking that one. I think that's actually what we're probably going to go with some some variation there, Chris. Okay, uh, this one just the tip off with Connor and Shotgun. Leave it. I'll give you a second opportunity. Take it or leave it. <laughs> okay, next one. Uh, Ball don't lie podcast. I believe there's already that one, so I'm gonna leave it since it's not an original. Okay. Uh, the make it take it podcast. These are all feel like they're probably already taken, but it's a f- solid one. Ball don't lie is, is a great name, but like I said, I believe these are already taken. Uh, make it rain podcast. If we're in Seattle, believe it. <laughs> and the last one that I'm particularly happy with, uh, the flagrant two podcast. Oh, okay. I like that one. I would take that okay. one. Okay. Okay. He's taking that one. I saved my best one for last. <laughs> uh, that's all I got for you. Shotgun. I wish I would come up with more, but I think I gave you, uh, some ones to get into your little brain there. Uh, I mean, I think you came up with the actual some variation of the the podcast. Podcast will be named after your original one. So, just the tip off with Connor. Okay, Uh, shotgun. That's all I got for you. Throwing it back to you. I believe we end with some uh, score prediction for this weekend. Uh, Random nugget for you. Uh, Just looking at some stat sheet here. That uh, the USC Oregon game was the longest one of the year so far for USC. It was one minute longer than the USC Cal game. That was. This is 50 to 49. That doesn't feel right, but okay. That's strange. Like I don't know. long of a game. It didn't so. seem like there was a ton of uh, reviews or anything, but 356. No other one had been close to that. Um, Chris, the last thing we have is a score prediction. What are you oh, predicting God, yeah. to be the outcome of this week's game with the score? I think I think it's a close game. I don't think it's like super high scoring or whatever, obviously, because UCLA can't score, but it's USC's defense, so maybe they will. But I'm going to keep them under 30 points, and I'm going to say 35-28 USC. USC is a six-point favorite, as I mentioned a little bit ago. So you have USC covering the spread. Narrowly, yes, I do. USC is not covered as a favorite in a long time since, I believe, Stanford. So that would be something. So I got them not covering the spread, but still finding a way to win. 31 to 28. Mm, okay. Sticks with your take it or leave it of a three-point game. So well, I felt like I was backed into a corner. Now I gotta Yeah, well, maybe don't <laughs> I, get you some corners. Maybe. I don't want to hedge my bet here. Maybe, maybe stay away from corners. Then maybe that's my advice. <laughs> maybe that's my advice. Stay out of the corner. No one put shotgun in the corner. That's true. Except for me. Except for me. No, don't do it. Uh, Chris, anything else you would like to add to this podcast before I wrap us up? Maybe I almost said this in the the two-minute drill, but I never like to generalize entire fan bases because obviously you can't generalize an entire fan base based off a couple interactions. But I do want to say that the the a certain Oregon fan who I wrote about in my Ghost Notes game day takes the cake as the like number one worst college fan I've ever like come across in covering a game. Obviously, I'm sure there's worse people in the SEC 
and Big Ten and such. But this Oregon guy took the cake as like the the worst college football fan I've encountered in in doing these these notes. So yeah, that's my only like little well, ad- why? addition. Well, if you go and read the game day ghost notes, I mean you could find I ed- out. I edited them, but I don't remember which one specifically you thought was the worst. Come on, Chris, you gotta uh, give a tease here. Give a little sample. I mean, it's the guy who got escorted from the stadium by several police officers, <laughs> uh, which I watched that entire interaction. And yeah, as someone who loves um, justice, it was it was a beautiful moment for me. So uh, I, I yeah. do have to ask you real quick, Chris, what did you think of the atmosphere? First time being in Autzen? Um, you know, I was actually expecting a good amount of vitriol from what we've heard, you know, from the fans and stuff, but I didn't really experience much of it. Didn't hear much of it. You seem to, from your ghost notes, hear a lot of it. And now that's maybe just me, the way I process noise during a game. I tune everything out. Um, but you seem to hear a lot of fans throwing F-bombs and everything else. I didn't really notice anything. You know, what, what was your experience? What did you think of the atmosphere overall at Autzen? Well, well, the difference is I was looking for it, Shotgun. If I go looking for trouble, I, I was trying. I'm gonna get, I thought. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like your heart was in it. My heart was in it. I was <laughs> I was looking for the for the for those guys. So I was able to find them under rocks, under under uh, you know logs in the forest. I was finding those dudes. So I just have a natural ability to find the worst in college fan bases. So, but I you know I thought it was loud. I thought the shout thing was going to be kind of lame to be honest with you. But by the end of it, I was like in on it. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I, Dropkick Murphys is still the best one for me, so I'm not. I'm not saying it's like maybe it is in the top five. I have to go back and look and kind of reevaluate. But I thought that was pretty cool um, to go back and see that, and I saved it on my phone, so I have that. But atmosphere wise, yeah, that was great. I didn't personally get hassled at all, so um, but I did witness some stuff. So I wrote about in the Ghost Hunts game day. But for the most part, yeah, I thought it was a it was a super loud and you know hopping environment i thought it was notably louder in the first half versus the second half mm-hmm. now, i don't know if that's people were that intoxicated because it was a late night game uh or I people guess. left um because oregon was kind of dominating even though they were only up by a score i don't know the exact reason but it definitely was much louder in the first half and maybe also because in the second half there weren't those kind of game defining plays it didn't seem like at the time you know on the third down type of stop uh, or third down get a stop and it changes the outcome type of thing uh, but I thought the atmosphere was terrific uh the duck is amazing Chris thought he was a menace um you had to check out his ghost notes in a good way in a good way for that as well uh the motorcycle going up the tunnel of the visitors right by uh the the photo tunnel again they got to do something about the photo tunnel get that a little bit better than what it was because there was water leaking in certain areas and stuff and i was very concerned about our equipment potentially but otherwise i, I thought it was really fun um pk parks next to it the baseball facility which is fantastic uh i got a chance to talk with the baseball coaches for a little bit too tailgating seemed pretty good uh, a little bit spread out I parked somewhere and had to walk through the woods, which was kind of an interesting thing. There were a bunch of Boy Scouts that were actually doing all the directing of the cars and stuff. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, but it, it's a, definitely a unique experience. It was much different than some of the other places that we've been to. Uh, but it was, so it was fun for us to be able to get there. The the Helium Boy is always happy to be in your town, in your city, come to your college town and whatnot. 
But I have to wrap this show up with saying thank you to everyone who came out to the meetup, who stopped me at a gas station, who saw me in the airport and said hello. Uh, we love interacting with you guys. It's, it's our probably my favorite part of the podcast. Everyone that points it out, to, you know, they listen to the podcast or whatnot, seeing everyone at tailgates and different things like that makes our day to be able to interact with you guys. And, you know, the, uh, the, uh, there was one guy on the sideline who got a snapped a picture with both of us and tweeted it out. So appreciate all you guys. We really appreciate all your love and support um, throughout the season, especially when the season gets rough. We still love to get, get your guys support because you can't blame us. Don't blame us, not us. Uh, but that was my last game of the regular season. We'll see about the bowl game, where it's at, when the date is, all that type of stuff. So Chris, I want to thank you as well, my fellow Helium boy, for our last trip together this regular season. We'll see what the bowl game holds, but it was fantastic as always. Uh, We have so much fun when we go to games and get to interact with all you. So thank you guys so much for all that. That's going to wrap it up for this podcast, the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast, part of the Peristyle podcast family of shows. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you like, share, leave us a five-star review. We haven't got one of those in a while, so if someone wants to throw one of those in there, we'd appreciate it. Uh, But thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope to be back uh, with you next week to break it all down, and maybe we'll see a USC win for the first time in a while. We'll see. Looking forward to hearing the uh, Just the Tip podcast. (laughs) Not even Just the Tip off anymore. Okay, I see. Just the tip off podcast. Yes. So make sure you're checking out uh, uscfootball.com. If you are not a subscriber, this is the perfect time to subscribe. One, because you can go read Chris's game day ghost notes. It's the best feature we do on the entire site. Make sure you're reading that every week. So much insight, so much behind the scenes action that takes place. So make sure you're subscribed. If not for anything else, then just for that. But make sure you're subscribed. You can get all the information, all the podcasts, all that type of stuff. We have so much information out there. We're going to have a bunch of basketball stuff coming up, as well as, like we said, a basketball podcast that we're hoping to put together as well. So congratulations to the women of Troy for their big win over Lemoyne. First time in the top 10 since 1994. And Juju Watkins going off for 35 points. Now there's pressure on Isaiah Carter to see what he can do when USC plays UC Irvine on Tuesday I believe it's 7 or 8 o'clock. So make sure you guys get out to Galen Center. Check that one out as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you. Love, peace, all that good stuff. We're out.